0: Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's
1: message. You see, I can't make anybody trust the Lord. But we keep sowing the seeds, and uh, we've had people trust the Lord this last week from a lot of different places. Because we just keep sowing the seeds, because we we got confidence in the seed. I don't have to talk them into anything, I just keep sowing the seeds. And so... We believe that it will bring results. Notice also verse 8. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. That's the briars and the thorns that's going to be rejected. The briars and the thorns are going to be burned. The Christian is never burned. He's not cast into a fire. But it's all of the works that we do that are briars and thorns that God is going to have uh, burn up. And so these briars and thorns is because God is wanting to bless us. But when you bring forth briars and thorns, God has to chasten you. Or there's a curse upon bringing forth these things that God says not to do. Now, what I want you to do is hold your place right there, because there's a couple of verses that I want us to look at over there in the book of Isaiah. So look in Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah and chapter 5. Because, you see, Hebrews is written to Hebrews. Hebrews is written to Christian Hebrews. And Hebrews is... Talking a lot about some of the things that happens to Israel and how God dealt with Israel, so that's why it's always good to look at some of these verses back there in the book of or uh, uh, the Old Testament, especially the book of Isaiah. There's a lot of things in there, but look in the book of Isaiah in chapter chapter five. Isaiah chapter five and. Um, just look there in, well, let's see. We don't have to look at all of these verses, but I do want you to look in verse 1. Let me see, I've got to get to uh, chapter 5. I'm still not there yet. Because I'm holding my place with my one hand, and I'm trying to do all the rest of it with another hand. Look what he says there in chapter 5 and verse 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it, and gathered out the stones thereof, planted it with the choicest vine, built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein. In other words, anticipation of fruit. He's getting ready. And he says, And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth Wild grapes got a problem. See, he done done everything he's supposed to do. He's prepared. He's even got protection for it, and built the wine press with the anticipation that he's going to put some grapes in there and he's going to have some grape juice. Verse three. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge I pray you betwixt me and the vine vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? So he's talking about the nation of Israel. He says, Do you realize I have done everything I can do for the nation of Israel? And I'm still not getting the fruits of righteousness from it. All I'm getting is wild grapes. He's talking to as a nation. And so he says here, He says, Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof. In other words, the broken levee. In other words, God's going to remove the protection from his vineyard. And that means every little wild thing can get in there and destroy the grapes, whatever does come in. And there's no protection. The wall's going to be gone. He says in verse 5, I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. Break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned, nor digged. In other words, pruned is the cutting off the dead branches and fertilized. He says... But there shall come up, see those two words, briars and thorns. I will also command the cloud that they rain no rain upon it. Now this is a result of God doing everything that was right to produce good results. And he's got wild grapes. In other words, the people were still disobedient they still would not do what God says do. So what God going to do? He said, I'm going to remove the wall. Verse 7, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry. Now, Take your Bible and look there in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Chapter 9 and verse 18. Isaiah chapter 9. He's telling the people that they have um, greatly erred. And they are in great error because of their leaders. Their leaders not taking a strong stand. So he starts off up here. And he says in verse sixteen, For the leaders of this people cause them to err, and they that are led of them is are destroyed. Therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their young men, neither have shall have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for everyone is an hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. Now get this, this statement here is very important. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. In other words, regardless of how bad Israel does, his arm is still, he wants to save. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 59, I believe it is, in verse 1 and 2, he says, Is my arm so short that it cannot save? Is God deaf that he cannot hear? And yet here's people that are living a life of folly. And God says, I'm still ready to help them if they want it. That's why I believe when God's children are disobedient, God wants to bless us and He's always ready to forgive. But people can harden themselves to where they just don't, well, they're not sensitive to the Lord anymore. So in verse 18, He says, For wickedness. Burneth as the fire, it shall devour the briars and the thorns. Do you think these are just in there and there's no connection? And we're talking about the briars and the thorns in the book of Hebrews. And it's talking about the way people are living. They're bringing forth briars and thorns instead of things that God can bless them with. See, he says, be it unto you according to your faith. And see, your faith is because of the confidence you have in the Lord. And if you and I will obey the Lord and serve the Lord, then God can, God can bring good things into your life. God can also chasten you. But that's between you and the Lord to know whether or not is He blessing me or chastening me. I found out a lot of the problems that I've had in life are not results of disobedience, but because there's things that God wants me to learn. And testings can be great because that's how your faith grows in the Lord is having a problem bigger than you can solve. So that you have to trust the Lord when there's seems like there's no reason to trust the Lord. Like God is not going to come through and you just stay faithful anyway because of your trust in the Lord. So anyway, these verses are in the Bible. They are important. And that's why we need to keep this in mind. another verse that I want you to look at while you're right there in the book, and that is in the book of Isaiah chapter 27. You're in Isaiah chapter 27. Isaiah chapter 27. And we'll just start there in verse, let's just start there in verse 2. He says, In that day, sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine, I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment. Lest any hurt it, I will keep it night and day. Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. You see, God wants Israel to blossom as a rose. Just look what he says in verse 6. He shall cause them that come out of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud. And get the rest part of this. You often hear me say, God can use Israel and be the greatest nation in the face of the world. He says, and fill the face of the world with fruit. Not just Israel, but the whole world. And one day that's going to take place. Uh, Just look there in verse 9. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged, and this is all the fruit to take away his sin. So what God is going to do, He sent His Son to die on the cross to pay for the sins of the world, because His Son was the only one that ever brought forth the fruits of righteousness to please God. And so by producing a whole bunch more like Christ, when it means when you trusted the Lord, God gave you a new birth without a sinful nature. Well, the day will come when that's all we're going to have. But until then, we still got this old sinful nature. And so a Christian who walks in the flesh is a carnal Christian. And so are there carnal Christians? Yes, there are. Are there Christians that bring forth briars and thorns? Evidently. Now, look there in Hebrews in chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And look what he says in verse 8. Now, in the last part of verse 7, talks about, and you ought to unline it, blessings from God. Blessings from God. In verse 8, but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, means you're set aside, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned, because that's what you do with briars and thorns. That's what the Christian brings forth in his life, which is a wasted life. Remember, the Lord says when we get to heaven, He says there's the foundation, which is Christ. And Paul says, I have laid the foundation, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So when you build upon the foundation, There's um, hay, wood, and stubble, and gold, silver, and precious stones. And God is going to have a little fire, and there's going to be a little bonfire, and all that wasted life is going to be gone, consumed. In other words, all the things that you did that had no value to them, a wasted life. There's that song we sing sometimes. Peter does a great job of that song, Wasted Years. And uh, I heard that for the first time about 1960, 61. And I've sung it ever since. Uh, not a lot, but I mean, I've, I've sung it often on over the years. So when I came down here, I sung that song too uh, in our Firehouse 5. But it's a, it's a good song because there's so many people just wasted years, wasted years. And um, so he makes a statement here. And look in verse 9. But beloved... Talking to believers. We are persuaded better things of you. So we're talking to Christians. Better things than producing briars and thorns in your life. And so this book is going to reveal how that, when you get over to chapter 11, how we're supposed to put our confidence and trust in the Lord. And because of that, we're living by faith in what God says. And then in chapter 12, it deals with, okay, those who do not and bring forth the briars and the thorns, God's going to chasten. And he says that many, if we remember when we have communion service, uh, many are weak and some are sick and many are dead. So if you're dead, As a result of God's chastening upon you, evidently you did not persevere to the end. So why is God chastening somebody that's not His child? Evidently they still are. God chastens every son whom He receiveth. And so many are sick, some are weak, and some are dead. Our lives are in God's hands. But what God has already decided can be determined By our obedience or disobedience. Have you ever heard people make the statement, well, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And nothing you can do about it when it's your time to go. Well, why does he promise to the children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right, that your days may be long upon the earth. In other words, how long you live could be a result of how you treated your parents. Why? Because they could have had you taken out and stoned. (laughs) In Old Testament time. I was talking to Ray Stanford one day. He was about in his 90s. Because when he was 90 years old, we had a big party for Ray at our church up in in Northside. And about 300 people came for his birthday party. Well, he lived another five years, and then he passed away. But um, I asked him, I said, Ray, how come you think you're living so long? I says, are you going to live forever? He said, I'm going to live until I die, and then I'm going to live forever. I said, but how come you're living so long? He said, I think it's because I honored my mom. I thought, what's that got to do with anything? Now I remember that verse. But it was just, just straight, out, because I honored my mom. And so there could be something to it. It may not be. I don't know. But I do believe that um, some people can hasten their life span. You can shorten it or you can lengthen it if the decision is made because of your obedience or disobedience. Now God may let you die early. And uh, it can be as well, and he can let you live longer, and it can be as well. But he may also want to shorten your life because of your rebellion to the Lord. And that's why he says Saul was taken out of this world. Why? Because of his sin. But not only did he die, but his son Jonathan died with him. And Jonathan was a younger man, but he died because his dad died. I mean, if you're driving a car down the road and you're, you know, 75 years old and you're going 90 miles an hour and you've got a wife and two kids and, well, you maybe make your kids a little bit older. <laughs> and you've got a car full of people, well, you could all die. You know what I did one day? Well, Betty, Betty did it really. We was riding with Dr. Stanford in a Jeep, my Jeep, and uh and he may not have been in my jeep, but was in a jeep and was going up to Central City from Idaho Springs, up over a mountain pass. And um, I mean, it was a steep road and there was some snow and ice on this little path. And on the side of it, it's like a thousand foot drop. And there's no guardrails. And if somebody's coming down, you can't pass. You just got to hope nobody's coming down or you're going to have a fight on who's going to go up. So generally, whoever's coming down has to pull over so because the person that's going up don't want to stop. Why? You may not get started again. So you got to keep moving. That person can go downhill. He can keep on going. And so Ray had it, but he didn't have it in four-wheel drive. And so we're we're going up the hill, and I'm sitting there with Betty, and uh, and Dr. Stanford is driving. He wanted to drive. We let him drive. I should have never let him drive. (laughs) He was an older man. But, you know, he had a lot of respect for him, so he let him drive. And so um, he knew how to drive a, a Jeep, said. And so when we started up, and he, he tried to gear it down, and he geared it down, but it was clunk, 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 and then the next thing you know, it's like it died. And it started coming back. Well, well the, 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 the drop's right there. And, and Betty's panicking, because if he doesn't stop this thing, we're in a heap of trouble. And I said, Ray, put it in four wheel drive. He said, Oh, 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 yeah. So he put it in four wheel drive and he started again and let off the clutch a little bit. But if he hadn't Betty says, I wasn't really worried. I says, You weren't really worried. No, she says, Because we were with Ray and God needs Ray. Ray says, Yeah, but he could have let y'all die and still let me live. She said, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Do you know that uh, it's possible for God to bless some people because of who you're with? In other words, Abraham, people were blessed because of Abraham. And you can be blessed because you're the person doing right and other people will receive your blessing. Let's say, for example, if the man who knows the Lord and loves the Lord is doing what's right, the wife and kids can benefit from his doing right in the sense that uh, God has blessed the whole family. And if the man does wrong, the Bible talks about it in the book of Exodus in chapter 20, that it can reach into the third and fourth generation. In other words, if the dad doesn't do right, then the next kid may not do right. And then his kid, and then his kid. So it can all go downhill when the man doesn't do right. But if the man does right, it can also affect four generations, three to four generations. It means that you're not alone. It's not just you. It affects other people. My dad was a bootlegger. You say, what does that mean? Well, he made corn in jugs. <laughs> and um, they called it white lightning. But whatever it was, it rot gut, I mean, there's people that drank it, and there's some people that we got to, you know, to heaven earlier, if that's where they went. But, um, but did it affect my mom? Yeah, my mama wound up hauling it. And... Um, My sisters, two of them, they wind up drinking it. Me, I preach against it. So does my brother. But see, things can affect you. The life we live affects our kids, whether we like it or don't. Because no man is an island unto himself. And so that's why it's so important to, you don't want to bring forth just briars and thorns in your life. Because you can be a carnal Christian. But now look what he says here. I want you to see this. Look in verse 9, verse verse 9, where it says, But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. So we're talking to believers. And thus, accompany things that accompany salvation. In other words, you have salvation, but these are some things that accompany your salvation. In other words, God saved me, gave me eternal life. I'm His child. I'm going to heaven. But there's something better in how you live your life, better than briars and thorns. Some people have gotten in the habit where they just, they just accept the briars and the thorns and feel like that's all I'm good for. I can't do anything else. And they've already just settled in their mind. That's the most I can ever do. And God can't use me. And, well, wait a minute. God says that he can. He wants something better than that in your life. Something better than what I think some people, how they live. So one of the jobs that I have is trying to not only get people to trust the Lord, but getting God's children not to settle for briars and thorns in their life. I want them to have the blessings of God, as he said in the last part of verse seven, the last part of verse seven. He says, "Receiveth, receiveth blessings from God. Don't you want to have the blessings of God upon you, upon your family? Don't you want the blessings of God upon our church? Did you know that what, the last thing we need is a Jonah on board? A person that causes the whole boat to sink or the, the whole storm to come just because of God having to chase a person. You read the book of Jonah and see what other people suffered as a result of one disobedient prophet of God. And there's decisions that God makes. And we can affect people wherever we go, however we live. So it's in the book, and I think it's important to remember. And look in verse 11. And we desire, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. In other words, you're running your race. says that in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. We're in a race. We're running a race. When does God want you to stop running a race? When it's over. Not quit halfway. As long as you're alive, you're in the race. So run it until your days are over. Be found faithful and bring forth these good things that God wants. And it says in verse 12, and don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. The last thing, the thing that I'm afraid of, if I ever quit serving God or retired... I'm afraid I might get lazy and be very slothful. And then I won't, well, I don't know what I'm going to do today. I don't know what I'm going to do. I never have to worry about what am I going to do today. It's pretty well scheduled. And so I don't want to be lackadaisical, have this bad case of laziness. You know what laziness is? Laziness is laziness. And a lot of people get that serious. It's a serious disease. And you don't want that. Look up here. This is you and me. While it represents sin, we all have sin on us. God loves us, but he hates our sin. Because, you see, our sin separates us from the Lord. And sin has to be paid. And since we're all guilty. We're all condemned. So we're all going to have to die. Be separated from God for all eternity. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. We'd have to be perfect, and none of us are perfect. God says, you cannot save yourself by your works by your good deeds. You cannot earn eternal life. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because He loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ who had no sin didn't have to die so He took all of our sins, paid for them on the cross and came back from the dead and said if we'd believe He did it for us He would give us as a free gift everlasting life. And we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. That's the best news in all the world. And we need to keep good attitudes, proper attitudes, think right, so that we can keep doing this simple little thing of telling people how to go to heaven. Because that's the most important thing in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you do that right now? In a moment of time, just in a small brief moment, You can make a decision that can change your destiny. If you just say in your mind and you believe it between you and God, Lord, I'm a sinner. Friend, that's just being honest. But God loves you, and that's being honest. He died for you. That's just being honest. But he was buried and came back again from the dead. He paid for your sins. And he said if you would believe he did it for you, he would give you eternal life. You can believe that. You can believe that. You can do that. It's not asking you to stop something or join something. It's just asking you, will you believe this? And if you'll believe it, God said, he that believeth hath everlasting life. You believe it, God will save you. And if you're watching by internet and you've never trusted the Lord, right now, right where you are, there's a little sign on the screen that says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. If you will, we'd love to hear from you. All you got to do is just click it. It lets us know that somebody trusts the Lord. We don't know who, but we know that someone did. Father, we ask your blessings upon each person here. We thank you for all you've done for us. And Father, for the study of your word, help each one of us to be found faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Were you
0: ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, he would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. And request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com amazes me